You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Discipleship is reaching out to the lost. Discover God's heart to reach all people with His Word in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are continuing our series on uh, simple, and basically this is all about discipleship. Uh, if you're familiar with our church, we've always said uh, on this pulpit that our vision is twofold. We want to honor God and we want to make disciples. And last week, for those of you who've missed that, uh, just to give us a short recap, we talked about basically the essence of what makes a disciple a disciple. Basically, a disciple is three things. Uh, if you are saying that you are a disciple of Jesus, basically, uh, just, you have, just have to remember the three F's. Okay? These are three F statements. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. So if you're saying that you, if you are a disciple, then you, uh, you don't just follow a crowd. You don't follow any, uh, you know, it's not really about following a church or an organization or maybe a pastor or a leader. Ultimately, if you're disciples, it's only Jesus that we're following. Amen. And last week, we talked about that if you are a follower of Christ, what does that mean? It means that we are actually willing to count the cost to follow Jesus. And how many of you know that, you know, we talked about salvation being free, but discipleship can cost us a lot, but it's all worth it. Amen. You know, we're all heaven bound. You know, for those of you who put your heart and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to heaven. How many of you are going to heaven? Please raise your hand. How many of you would like to go to heaven? Not right now, right? But someday. Not yet. Okay. So we're here still on this earth because of a reason. We're here for a purpose. And have you ever wondered why God saved us and why God gave us a new life, a new purpose? There must be a reason why we're still here on earth, not just to enjoy this life and just be blessed, but I believe that as we get blessed, we want to become a blessing to others as well. And so following Jesus requires us counting the cost. We also talked about last week that, you know, as you follow Jesus, we need to put Jesus first. He is first over our families. He is first over our businesses. He is first over our personal lives. He is first, basically, He's on top of our priority list. So that is, that is what following Jesus means. And following Jesus means giving our absolute best, our total commitment. You know, it's, it's uh, not just giving our 99% or 99.5% to Him, but it's really giving 100% of our commitment to the Lord. And so we talked about that last week. Okay? So just to give us a uh, whole overview of what we're, we're going to be uh, talking about in the next three weeks, uh, we hope that our people will know that discipleship is simple and not complicated. That will in turn encourage them to be a disciple who will what? Make disciples. So understand that walking as a disciple, as a disciple of Jesus is hard enough. But I believe that God expects us to do even beyond just walking as a disciple. God wants us to make disciples. Amen. Can you turn to the person beside you and tell that person, you are called, you are called to make disciples. Okay? I know that now you are called because we have a nice aircon here. We are called, right? But I'm talking about a different kind of calling and not coldness, okay? But, you know, somebody once said, many are cold and a few are frozen, okay? But anyway, we are called and a few are, we are chosen by God as well. And so 
uh, we, uh, we heard this last week, as, as, uh, as I said, salvation is free, but there is a cost to discipleship. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading our text this morning, uh, still in the book of Luke. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 19. And this is a story of Jesus' journey while he was on his way uh, to Jerusalem. He passed through Jericho and his meeting with this particular individual was really so important that it was included in the gospel. And so uh, I'd like to invite everyone to read along with me with your beautiful voices. Ready? Verse 1, 1, 2, 3. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive a word from the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. As disciples of Jesus, we're also called to reach out to the lost because they uh, are as valuable, Lord God, in your eyes as much as we are when you reached out to us. We thank you, Lord God, for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Right. Uh, so this is actually an inter- interesting story because this happened uh, when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Basically, you know the purpose of Jesus. He started his ministry in Galilee. That was his hometown. And uh, that's where Peter and uh, Andrew and James and John were. And those were the first disciples that he's called. And on his way to Jerusalem, basically, he's preparing his ministry slowly towards Jerusalem. Basically, Jerusalem is the end of his ministry. We all know that Calvary is in Jerusalem. Uh, that's, event, that's his eventual uh, you know, crucifixion. And so as he was preparing to go there, on the road, he made everything that he's done very purposeful. How many of you know that there's no accidents with the Lord? That in everything that happens in our life, you know, there's no accident in God. You may look at your life and say, Lord, why did all this thing happen to me? Of course, maybe some of those things that happened to us are born out of our mistakes, our failures, wrong decisions. But how many of you know that somehow, sometimes God, or many times God allows them to happen to us in order to mold us and forge us into the person that we are now, have now become? And so there's nothing that has happened to us that is unknown to God. Everything God actually will use that for a purpose. And if you look at this whole chapter, uh, basically this whole chapter is summarized by this statement. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. How many of you have lost a very important item in your life before? Anyone? Maybe you've lost a key to your car, right? 
Maybe you've lost, how many of you lost a jewelry? How many of you have lost a wedding ring? That's bad, right? But, you know, uh, you know one time we've lost, I've lost mine, but I, praise God, I found it. If not, I'll be lost forever, okay? No, no, just kidding. But, you know, we're, we're all, we've lost some things that are important. Some, some people have lost children in the mall, uh, and that's bad, right? Uh, especially if it takes a while before you found them. But, uh, you know, we've lost things, but ultimately we're also people who were lost once. And when you talk about our condition with the Lord, spiritually, how many of you know that all of us, without any exception, have been lost in our walk with the Lord? In fact, if you relate to some people, and as they share their testimony, sometimes we hear testimonies of people saying, I'm, I'm looking or I'm searching for God. The, re- the, the, the truth is, no one is looking for the Lord. It was God who was looking for us. We were lost. And, you know, the, the, the reason that we are here, I believe, worshiping the Lord is because God has sent out someone to reach out to us, to pray for us. And how many of you will say that there was somebody who actually ministered to you and showed you the way and shared the good news? How many of you can say that? Because no one can be saved apart from the fact that someone will share the gospel to us. And that's the essence of fishing for men. You know, a disciple is not only a follower of Jesus. Today we're talking about a disciple being a fisher of men. Everybody say fisher of men. So the Bible says if we are disciples of Jesus, then we are called to fish for men. That's exactly how Jesus called the first disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, Come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. He was calling fishermen who are experienced in the sea. And he was talking about, I will make you fishers of men. What's the difference of a fisherman and a fisher of man? A fisherman is actually someone who goes out there in the sea and finds live fish kills them to make them useful, right? Or cooks them first, okay? Or if you want sushi, you kill them and then eat it right away, right? But a fisher of man or a fisher of men is someone who finds dead men, brings them to the master, and God converts them and transforms them and makes them alive so they become useful to God. That's the difference of a fisherman and a fisher of men. And Jesus was calling this fisherman. You know, from here on, you're no longer catching fish. You're going to catch men. This morning, as we were coming here, driving, you know, we were driving to the church, my two young daughters uh, were not able to get a good breakfast. And so they asked our helper to prepare a tuna sandwich. Uh, so that they can eat the, the sandwich in the car on their way to church. And so, you know, my, my nine-year-old, Anna, was opening her tuna sandwich. And as she was giving a bite to the tuna sandwich, she said, I pity the tuna. I said, why? It's dead. <laughs> but Andrea is, says a different thing. And as, as Anna made that comment, I pity the tuna, Andrea said, I don't. And then she just continued biting his, her sandwich. But see, you know, 
someone like Anna could be compassionate with an animal like the tuna. You know, and you know, I guess if you're a vegetarian, the reason why you're probably a vegetarian is because you don't want to eat animals, right? And there are people who are, who've got that kind of conviction that they don't want to eat anything that moves. They'd rather eat something that is just... Because you know, it's not dead, but, you know, just still. <laughs> because, you know, you know, fruits and, you know, vegetables are just... They're alive, but they're still. They're not moving. And, you know, when you talk about the kingdom and the gospel, really, ultimately, our call is to reach out to people who were dead and bring them to Christ because ultimately they are lost. There was a movie or a TV series that came out uh, in 2004. I think you're familiar with this TV series. I got lost actually watching this TV series after a few episodes. But this TV series entitled Lost, I think it ended already in 2010. Uh, the story was there was a plane that crashed on an island and the uh, passengers in that plane, you know, different kinds of people were in that plane, businessmen, um, you know, uh, single people, married people, a murderer, a doctor, and so different kinds of people. And they were, ultimately, they all crashed on the island and they were lost. And how many of you know that if you're looking at their situation, it doesn't matter if you are the business person or the doctor or the murderer or the young person or the old person or the married one or the single one, ultimately you are all lost. The status that we have before the Lord, no matter what kind of accomplishment we have, is ultimately we were lost or we are lost. Amen. Without God, we're lost. And what do you do with something that is lost? There has to be a search operation. We've heard of, you know, tragic stories of Air Asia, uh, you know, uh, you know, being lost in the sea, and so, in, and and uh, Malaysian Airlines being lost in the sea, and so uh, the governments have actually launched out a search and rescue mission to look for survivors. And how many of you know that Jesus from day one has actually launched in a search and rescue mission for all of us? And how many of you are grateful that we are now found? Amen. Praise God. Can we just give the Lord a praise for that? But that is not enough. It is not enough for us to be found and enjoy our service here in the church and you know, enjoy the, you know, the, the worship, have our kids have a good encounter with the Lord in those church, uh, in those classrooms. But I believe that God is calling us a little bit beyond our comfort zone. Yes, we were once lost, now we're found, but what do we do with the people that we still know that are lost out there? And how many of us still have people, relatives, friends, neighbors, uh, hairdressers, manicurists, that you think are still lost? Yeah. Right? We still have those. And so what do we do there? Going back to the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus basically means the righteous one. His name means righteous one. It is so ironic because his job does not really bring him to righteousness. The people during that time in Israel hated this guy because he was a tax collector. And as a tax collector living in Jerusalem during that time, you were working for the Roman government and not for Israel. 
You may be a Jew, and he was a Jew, but yet he was, his loyalty was checked because he was more loyal to Caesar than to the nation of Israel. In order for tax collectors to be comfortable, what they would do is they would collect more than what is needed and enjoy the benefits. How many of you know that sometimes tax collectors are same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? <laughs> Not all. If you're working for BIR, I'm so sorry. We don't, want, we don't want to judge you. We need people who are righteous in BIR. Amen? And we need Christians there. We cannot just leave that agency or that government agency, whether it's BIR or customs, to the world because we need Christians to be there. But somehow we see that what condition that we have right now in the Philippines in 2015, you know, the corruption is still here. It is not different from how it was 2,000 years ago. There was corruption during that time. And Zacchaeus was one of those that actually enjoyed his riches. The Bible says he was the chief tax collector and he was what? Rich. Can you imagine the attachment? You're a tax collector and you're rich. Hmm. Sneaky, sneaky, right? There's something that's, you know, questionable about that. But yet, one thing about this man named Zacchaeus is he was interested about Jesus. You know, he was, yes, he was rich, he was a tax collector, but yet ultimately when he heard that Jesus was passing through, ultimately he found a way for him to have an encounter with the Lord. And he did not let his height, the Bible says he was short in stature, right? We would call that what? Vertically challenged. <laughs> okay? He would not let his height stop him from meeting the Lord. Ultimately, the mission of Jesus was to find Zacchaeus. It was that Zacchaeus looking for Jesus. We want to answer these questions. What is a lost person? A lost person is not someone who would just say, I know Jesus, or I know about Jesus. Because how many of you know that 99.9% of the people in the Philippines know of Jesus? Know about Jesus? We've heard of the name Jesus. How many of you have heard of the name Jesus when you were a young child? We've heard of the name Jesus. We grew up going to schools teaching Jesus in our subjects, in the religion class. But yet, you may actually know about Jesus and still be lost. Because a, a person who is lost is someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus. It is not enough for us to know about Jesus. We have to know Him personally. Amen. It's one thing to know about President Pinoy, it's another thing to know him personally. That is what we're talking about. A lost person is someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus. Why reach the lost? Why do we take the time to do this, to explain to people and, you know, dig in the Word and say, you know, isn't it enough for us to enjoy a relationship with the Lord and just live a life that is pure and holy as what we talked about last in the last series and then when we grow old and when we die we'll all go to heaven why still look for lost people because every person is valuable to god everyone everyone that is walking in the streets of alabang 
Manila, EDSA, Commerce Avenue is valuable to God. Everyone. I'm just so touched about the video that we watched earlier. Both Monet and Z, you know, uh, they've given up their careers here in the Philippines, went there to Tibet to basically minister in a land that is actually unaware and has no clue of what even the name of Jesus is. You know, it's, it's a big leap for them, you know, looking for a, uh, you know, looking for people that actually they can share the gospel to. People don't understand, you know, if they say, you know, I want to share to you about Jesus, what is, who is Jesus? Nobody even knows, you know, so they have to start from, from, from scratch. What does it mean to fish for men? Basically, fishing for men is going, you know, it's, it's being missional, like Jesus. Everybody say missional. Missional basically is having the posture of a missionary and your desire is to engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's basically what missional is all about. You don't have to be an actual missionary like Z going to Tibet. How many of you know that you are a missionary no matter where you are? Because you are, you know, every day you go out into the world and you meet people who are probably not Christians. That is a mission field. Wherever you are, you may be working in a call center or in a bank or in a school. Maybe you're a professor or maybe you're a student. But that is actually our mission field. We're called to fish for men. We're not called to fish for the found. We're called to fish for the lost. You don't go to an aquarium and fish there. You know, sometimes what we do is we try to invite people from other churches to bring to our church. Here you come to Victory. You know, it's nice there. The aircon is nice. It's cold. You can actually take a nap while the preaching is happening, you know. You know, it's, it's nice. It's cool. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, we have a good kids' church. But that's not the point. We're not there or we're not here to reach out for the found because if they are already a member of a, you know, of a church, then we let them stay there. We are not called to fish in another aquarium and move those fish to our aquarium. Do you get it? We're called to go out into the open sea and basically fish for lost people out there. Ultimately, to fish for men is to be missional like Jesus. He was missional in a sense that he had a purpose. The reason why he came here on earth was not just to multiply bread and fish. The reason why he came here on earth was not just to lay hands on the sick so that they can be healed. That's part of his ministry, but that was not the ultimate goal. What was the goal? We read that earlier, right? The Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. That is, or that was his mission and that is still his mission until today because there's still a lot of lost people out there amen as long as you know i i, I always hear this apostolic saying you know one of the things that pastor steve shared to us when we were like young christians is as long as there is a lost person out there walking in the streets of manila our church is not big enough and it's not about us building a big church it's about us reaching out to the lost. And how many of you know that the more people that you reach out that are lost and bring to church, of course, ultimately your church will be bigger 
and we need to do the work of caring for them, discipling them, and then uh, training them, equipping them, and ultimately launching them out again so that they can continue to fish for men. Being missional is not just to do come and see, but it's actually go and tell. Yes, it's fine if you invite people to church. It's fine if you invite people to your small group. But there are times that people cannot come to us. If they cannot come to church, what do we need to do? We bring the church to them. And who is the church? We are the church. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are the church. You can actually bring the gospel wherever you are. You don't have to wait till Sunday before church happens because church happens every single day. Wherever you go, that's where the church goes. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a book that was uh, written by Pastor Bill Hybels entitled, Walk Across the Room. And it talks about having a missionary mindset. That you don't have to go to Tibet or Myanmar or Cambodia in order to become a missionary. All you have to do is to get out of your chair and walk across the room and go to the other table and engage that person who is lost with the gospel of Jesus. That is being missional. Amen. That is what it means to become like Christ in the area of us having the burden and looking at each person as valuable in His eyes. How can we become missional like Jesus? Two things. Number one, Jesus is intentional. As I said earlier, there's no accidents with the Lord. That passing through Jericho may be like a consequence of just using that route to get to Jerusalem. But how many of you know that he used that purpose in order to be able to minister to this guy? And in, in verse 1, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. You know, basically, Jesus did not just go through this town in order for him to be able to enjoy the the food of that town, or to have, you know, visit the resort in, the, in Jericho. I don't know if there's such a, such a thing. Or to maybe have a vacation or a short furlough, you know, in this ministry. But ultimately, he was there because he wanted to minister to somebody. He knew exactly what his mission was. The very, G, the very reason why his father sent him. That's why he said, as I am sent by my father, so am I, am I now sending you. How many of you know God is sending us? to reach out and to fish for people. All of us have our own story. If not for people praying for us and reaching out to us, we're probably not going to be here. You know, we pray for people. We, you know, one of my uh, friends, uh, actually in this church, um, when she got saved a few years ago, maybe about six years ago, seven years ago, started praying for her siblings. One by one, we see we saw her siblings come to the Lord and started attending church, becoming born again. You know, it is not impossible. How many of you still have people in your family who are not yet Christians? Amen. You know, Acts chapter 16 says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your whole household will be saved. Amen. That is a promise that we can actually claim. And, you know, something that we can actually pray and, you know, day in and day out, it is not impossible for anyone to become a Christian. 
But pastor, you don't understand. You don't know my dad. You don't know my brother. You know, you don't know this guy. You know, they are strict, and or whether they're so religious or they are, you know, like a criminal or something like that. There's no hard heart when it comes to, you know, presenting that heart before the Lord. Amen. Ultimately, I believe that God will open a door for us if we are willing to be used by God for His purpose. As the Father has sent us, so is Jesus sending us out to reach out to people. In verse 3, it says, And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. You know, this guy would not let his disability stop him. You know, there's, this guy has limitations, though he was rich. You know, the Bible says he was rich, but yet he was small. Can you imagine? Have you ever watched a concert and, you know, everybody's standing and you cannot even, even see what's happening in front of you? And all you can actually see is the back of the person right in front of you, the lower back. Because you're short. And this guy, because of his limited height, you know, did not even consider his dignity to climb a sycamore tree. How many of you know now if you, that if you climb a sycamore tree, maybe wapoy sang right? I mean, if you're someone who's prominent and if you're, you know, affluent or rich, you know, would you go and go that route and actually go climb the sycamore tree in order for you to have a good vantage point of the Lord? What some of us would do is probably you'd call your bodyguards, carry me. Or yeah, yeah, carry me, or something like that. You know, I don't know how he will do it, but this guy did not even call his bodyguards. He went ahead of Jesus. He knew Jesus was passing through there. Went up the sycamore tree and waited there. That's how desperate this guy was. And there are people out there that we know. They seem to be okay. They seem to present a good front, but ultimately, they need Jesus. They're desperate. How are we to reach out to them? To fish for men is to be missional like Jesus. I'm just going to say it time and time again. To fish for men is to be missional like Jesus. God is calling us, not in the full-time ministry like your pastors, but I believe that your calling right now is unique you may be a banker. You may be someone, you know, who's an employee. Maybe you're working at hours, at hours. But ultimately, all of us have, are called to become missionaries, no matter what's written in your calling card is. Number one, Jesus is intentional. Secondly, and my last point is, Jesus is relational. He was relational. He was the son of God and he was ministering to the people and he was actually doing a lot of, you know, uh, multiplying of bread and healing the people and yet he was reachable. You know, in fact, he was the one who actually went and stopped right in front of Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, he looked up, I'm going to stay in your house today. He basically invited himself. How many of you know, you know, medyo, in our culture, I think medyo makapalang kontiyon, right? You don't normally do that. But I guess instead of Zacchaeus being offended with that you know, style of the Lord, he was actually rather glad and he actually was happy. Because he was one who was rejected by society. No one likes him. He was hated because of his, I guess, his occupation. 
But yet, he's, here's Jesus stopping in front of him, inviting him, I'd like to go into your house. Let's have dinner there. So he hurried and came down and received him how? Joyfully. He did not pout. I have a schedule tonight. No, he was so glad that Jesus was coming in his house, enjoying his meal, you know, even staying there. That was the attitude of Zacchaeus. He was so excited. Yet there are some people that are not as excited. In verse 7, it says, And when some people saw it, they all grumbled. He said, they said, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You know, sometimes the Pharisees can still be alive today. You know, sometimes you can just easily judge people and you would say, you know, that guy is not qualified for the kingdom, especially if that's the guy who bullied you in high school through college. You don't deserve to be saved. You know, I heard of a story of a pastor who was ministering one time and as he was doing the altar call, he saw his classmate who bullied him all through high school. That person went up, got saved, went to the front. He was hesitant to pray for the guy. And he didn't want to pray for him because how dare you treat me in high school like that. He wanted to just let him go to hell. But yet the Holy Spirit just convicted him and you know, you know, com- you know, basically he was actually compassionate after that. How do you see lost people? You know, how do you see people who are different from you? Maybe you see someone who's coming to church filled with tattoos and you don't even want to come near that person. You didn't even read the tattoo. It says, praise the Lord. And the other one says, hallelujah. I don't know. Sometimes we judge people by the way they look. Or if you see a, a man who's wearing earrings, not here, but here, you judge that person. And, you know, sometimes we say, you know, this person is far from the kingdom. That's why we bring him near. We reach out to them. Jesus was relational. He had no problem dining in with sinners like Zacchaeus. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, we need to be all things to all men in order that we may save some. Now, I'm not telling you to go to the bar with your old friends and say, they're always in the bar, Pastor. So I need to be there with them, you know, drinking, you know, whatever, you know, smoking pot. I'm not telling you to do what they're doing. What we're doing is actually just opening a door for them so that they can be comfortable to hear the message of the gospel from us. John Maxwell once said, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. How much do we care? And sometimes you would say, Pastor, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know, you know, I haven't gone through a Bible school. I haven't gone through a seminar. You don't have to. But if you care enough for people, that is a very good step for you to fish for men and bring them to Jesus. Many times, even if we don't know what to say, if the people that we minister to sense that we are genuine in our love and compassion for them, just like Zacchaeus to Jesus. He was not, you know, Jesus was not there, you know, wanting to minister healing or something to Zacchaeus. All Zacchaeus needed at that time was acceptance and love, which he was not getting from the people around him. And Jesus was there extending that acceptance and that love to this person. And the result of Jesus being missional, intentional, 
and relational was transformational. Ultimately, he saw right before his eyes the change in the character and in the priority of this man named Zacchaeus. It was more than a conversion. We're not just interested in conversions. We're not interested in people just praying the prayer or sinner's prayer. We're interested in seeing changed lives and lives being transformed. Amen. Ultimately, what, what do we mean by fishing for men? We bring them to Jesus. We let the, the, we, we let the Lord do His work in their lives. And ultimately, He is the one who changes their hearts and make a permanent change so that they will be transformed and ultimately make a decision to follow the Lord. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. This is how you know if somebody is changed. If you're willing to give your wallet to the Lord, how many of you know that is a very good sign of transformation? Amen. Normally, that is the last one to go. But for Zacchaeus, it was the first one that happened in his life. He said, Lord, if I have wronged people, I'm willing to pay back four times. You call that restitution. And Zacchaeus definitely had a heart that was transformed before the Lord. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus did not even care what's going to be left. The only thing that matters for him is he, f- he knew the Lord and the Lord found him. To fish for men is to be missional like Jesus. My challenge for us today as we end this service is will we be like Jesus who would be missional to care for the people around us you know, our friends, our family members, the people we work with. I want to end with this story. You know, it's a rather interesting story of one of our new disciples in the church. His name is Luis Pible. There's a picture of Luis with his family. Uh, Luis is married to Christelle. That's uh, his wife, Christelle, doing the V sign. And that's the happy picture of them now that Luis basically has gotten to know the Lord. But the story of Luis was... Before he got saved, he was a womanizer and he was full of vices. He would drink. I don't know if, I don't know if he would do dope or, or pot. But he was you know, backslidden because his mom, his mom brought him to church in 2010. He would just go to church because his mom told him to do so. But in reality, he was not serving God. But yet, one day, because of his wife finding out about his affair, his wife basically filed a case against him, brought him to jail. And the, pers- the, the picture on top is basically him inside a jail cell together with some inmates. You know, I don't really know what that case is, if it's uh, the case of bigamy or whatever. But somehow he ended up in jail. And that picture in the bottom basically is now the one that, you know, after him, when he repented of his sin. Ultimately, he got out of jail. And in 2013... Oh, sorry, 2014 of uh, April, he actually just walked into the mall, festival mall, and he heard loud music playing in the fourth floor. He thought there was a concert. Him and his family went inside and he said, oh, what's this? It's a free concert? He didn't realize that was our church. Walked in the church, enjoyed being in the church, 
but it did not end there. He was one time in our in the Molino Valley, and as he was walking, he saw one of our pastors, Pastor John Del Rosario, who happens to live in Santa Rosa, walk, bumped into him, and he said, aren't you one of the pastors of Victory? And Pastor John said, yes, I am. And he said, are you new in our church? Yes, I, and I want to grow in the Lord. And so what Pastor John did was, I want to share with you one-to-one. So they finished one-to-one. He went through Victory Weekend. He actually went through Making Disciples class and basically gave his heart to the Lord. And he said, I'm not just going to enjoy being a disciple, walking with the Lord. I'm going to reach out to people. He started preaching to his sister. Did one-to-one with her. And he, you know, I think she's about to go through Victory Weekend this March. When he was still a non-Christian, what he would do is he would always have drinking you know, nights with his buddies. And this is one of those pictures that he is now saved, reaching out to them. And he said, I, uh, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. We turned wine into water. <laughs> we would no longer drink wine. We would just drink water. And he would share the gospel to them. One by one, his drinking buddies started getting saved. And this is the picture that they have right now in the church. All of them, one row, attending the church. This guy named Ian started going through Victory Weekend. I was teaching one time in Making Disciples class and I found Ian there learning how to reach out to other friends just like Lewis did. Uh, did. He was having a birthday party, reached out to one of their uh, friends. This, his name is Thick Boy. <laughs> Basically, reached out to him, brought him to church. They're all getting saved. Another guy by, uh, by Ahmed, uh, he shared the gospel to him. And there's another guy uh, with his wife. Basically, the whole, I don't know, the whole gang, basically, <laughs> was brought to church. And because of the attitude of Luis wanting to bring the gospel into their hearts, his friends started looking at this stuff and he said, we want to do what you're doing. We want to also reach out to other friends. So the other friends of, and they're going through Victory Weekend and they're going through Making Disciples class. Wanting to be missional just like Lewis. Amen. He was not ashamed of sharing his faith to them. And I want to end with this. Mark chapter 8, verse 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. God is calling us to go out and share and be fishers of men. Even the Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for those who believe, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. I believe that as you open your mouth, God will use you. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.